My name is Dario Hasenstab, I have two degrees in international affairs, and I'm here with Balder Hagritz, a former university professor of mine, as well as an IR consultant. And together, we're bursting the Western bubble. Today, we will analyze the United Nations issuing a report on Quran burnings in Scandinavia through the lens of the Western bubble. Because while Western societies have many strengths and significant weaknesses, in order to analyze these, we use the concept of the Western bubble. If you would like to know more about this concept, how this podcast started, or who we are, make sure to listen to our introduction episode. So this is our third uh, episode, uh, you know, of our summer episodes, you know, where we are trying to bring you different vibes uh, from the Western bubble uh, to wherever you're listening to this episode. Um, and in the next, well, two episodes by now and the previous two, uh, we're trying to highlight some of the developments that show that maybe the Western bubble is already bursting a little bit in some ends, maybe. I'm trying to be positive. Balder is a little bit less positive in all of this. And um, well, let's see how this topic will pan out. Um, because today we're speaking about the United Nations potentially reporting uh, on Sweden and Denmark after Quran burnings. Uh, Balder, why are we talking about this? Hi, Dario. First, I probably should say that with age comes grumpiness. And so the older you get, the more negative you become, I'm afraid. Um, keep your young positivity going, I would say. We're, we're, we're talking about uh, this issue because the United Nations more is, is, is a Western invention in many ways. It was set up after the Second World War to create this new liberal Western dominated global system and in the first 50 years or so of its existence it was clearly used as a mechanism to transmit western values to the rest of the world and yet now the situation in scandinavia and there are more examples such as this one show how the un is starting to become less western in its outlook and more of a mechanism that other countries can use to transmit, export their values to the rest of the world. And that in itself makes a lot of sense. There, that in itself, I would argue, is a good thing. But it shows that the West is no longer in control of these dynamics. Uh, it shows that the Western bubble is bursting even at a transnational level, such as the United Nations. In this, well, for the listeners who don't know, um, this year we have witnessed a number of instances of Quran, uh, the holy book of Islam, uh, burnings in in Sweden, um, also in Denmark, uh, where the most notable one occurred on uh, June 28th of this year, when a 37-year-old Iraqi refugee ripped out and set fire to pages of the Quran outside the Stockholm mosque. This incident caused international protests and condemnation particularly among uh, the Muslim world. Uh, then on July 20th, uh, the person, um, the same person desecrated the Quran again in Stockholm, resulting in more protests and actually attacks against the Swedish embassy in Baghdad, um, Iraq, starting uh, kind of the day before this incident. This resulted in several follow-up protests in Denmark in which the Quran was burned outside the embassies of several Muslim major uh, countries. Since then, the United Nations Human Rights Council approved a resolution introduced by Pakistan that calls for the United Nations Rights Chief to publish a report on religious hatred and for states to review their laws and 
uh, and plug gaps that may impede the prevention and the prosecution of acts and advocacy of religious hatred. Uh, so yeah, this is the situation. Um, and I mean, apart from the from the fact that on a, on a personal level, I think both of us can say, yes, freedom of speech covers your right to burn the Quran. However, that doesn't mean you should do it. Um, it's 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 a very I don't know I feel like a, it's it's an it's an it's not needed to portray your right of 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 basically free speech in Sweden by preparing the Quran. There's no need for that. Yes, and this is this is a, a very consistent message, right? To to say you can do it. Please don't though. If you do it, you will be protected, and I will help you be protected. I will work to support the government protecting you. If you burn the Quran, you will not be punished. And it's very important that you have the right to do it for lots of reasons. But please, please don't burn the Quran because you are willingly, willfully hurting people. You are disrespecting a religion and there is absolutely no need for that. You're not going to get what you want by doing so. It is unnecessarily harmful. But if you if you do go ahead, hey, I will fight for your right to do so. Yeah. And I mean, this is basically what the Swedish prime minister said as well. Um, you know, you have a lot of freedom of speech, but please be responsible with it. And kind of saying that, hey, this is this is uh, not important. However, um, this is not what the episode is about. Um, so it's not about free speech, but we're talking about the United Nations here today because this is, I mean, an interesting development, right? That uh, the United Nations um, Human Rights Council uh, basically approved a resolution looking into Western countries who are usually upholding human rights and the United Nations itself. Yeah, there, there, there are two issues here with the UN. Um, first of all, it's interesting to point out before we get into what you just mentioned, that the United Nations has moved very far away over the past 25 years from its original idea of being a structure that um, creates some sense of international law or that creates some sense of systemic decision-making at a global level to, to sort of mitigate the harsh reality of Westphalia, right? To avoid countries just living in anarchy. Here we've got the UN setting up the General Assembly, the Security Council, all kinds of rules and regulations of what countries can do, what they can't do. That kind of hard nature of the United Nations, which was always the main direction of the UN over the past 25 years, has been replaced by a very soft nature. One where the UN wags its finger at countries, where the UN sends special envoys to countries to report on the morality of those countries, to report on the human well-being of those countries and nothing happens with those reports because it's just basically turning the UN into a vaguely defined moral watchdog, global watchdog, which has no actual power and has no actual consequence. So in many ways, the fact that the UN is already used in this sense of sending a special envoy to write a report that is critical of a country shows how far the UN has fallen from its original purpose and how little relevance the United Nations has in 2023, where they're much more concerned about narratives and discourses rather than actual regulation and rather than creating true systems. Now, on top of that is exactly what you said. It was always supposed to be if 
morality came into play, it was supposed to be a source of Western morality spreading. And what do I mean by Western morality? Democracy, liberal values, individual human rights. We did episodes on all those items. Uh, it was supposed to be one where the United Nations became a mechanism of turning the rest of the world into the West, exporting Western ideals to those who were behind on, on the curve as the thinking went, right? I mean, obviously there is no such curve in reality, but that was the thinking. The West is in front of the curve. They're pulling everyone with, uh, with them. And the United Nations is a mechanism to get everyone along and to, you know, to, to send memos out to say, you have to become like us. Now, in 2023 and over the past 20 years, you see that the global South, China, India, but also the Arab world, Latin America, Sub-Saharan Africa, have become much more vocal in the UN. And now this kind of mechanism that the West set up is being turned against them. It is actually saying, uh, we are now representing the Arab world and Western countries, Scandinavia, behave according to the rules that the Arab world wants you to behave according to. And that is fascinating. And that's a huge, huge example of how the West is no longer in control and the West is deluded if they think that the rest of the world still follows their moral compass. They have created a monster they can no longer control. Um, because because in so, so, so in the Human Rights Council, it is the actually the um, well, so, so the Muslim majority countries that currently have kind of like the, the majority uh, you know, of, of seats. Um, and then it, it, it was hilarious to read some of the articles about this vote. Um, because usually you hear that, um, you know, usually it's the West wacking their finger at someone. Oh, evil, I don't know, um, uh, well, evil country X for, for, for violating human rights. And then you usually have that country saying, well, we strongly oppose the, you know, the, the way that the West is imposing their human rights on us. And now, and let me quote from this Reuters article, which we're obviously going to put into the post description below. Um, it, it reads, and I quote, it was strongly opposed by the United States and the European Union, who say it conflicts with their view of human rights and freedom of expression, end quote. Which is, I mean, basically, they, they just switched roles for this one. It's, it's fascinating. And if they don't understand the weird hypocrisy of this and, and, and how this has now turned against them, then they need to have a reality check because it's exactly the language that other countries would have used before. And so they are now in the position of being criticized by international organizations for their behavior. And rightfully so, if, if an organization is global, then it should go both ways. But the West can't deal with it because they can't cope with this idea, with this notion that there is an other understanding of morality, that there's an other sense of values that is not set by them because they are so indoctrinated over the past two, three hundred years the by the dominance of their polities, of the dominance of Western powers. They're so indoctrinated by the idea that they set the moral agenda and nobody else. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, chickens have come home to roost. I, I think um, one of the things you see here is that the current reaction to this vote in particular is not one of the bubble is actually bursting and Western countries are realizing that maybe there are different interpretations of, of morality out there. 
but that it's rather, and this is going back to the episode we recorded on democracy, that it's a flaw within the system, within you know the way that the Human Rights Council is set up, that currently the Muslim-majority countries um, have, uh, have a slight majority there, and that it's the system no longer really working for the West, but that can be changed once Western countries you know, get, regain the majority in the Human Rights Council and then kind of tilt the vote into their favor again. That's actually a really good point. And, and here the interesting difference in sort of perspective is that if you are a Western leader, your, I, your thinking is there is an objectively neutral set of moral values and we behave according to them and the rest of the world doesn't. Instead, what reality is that there is no objectively set of moral values. There is a Western set of values that the West pretends is objective, but it's clearly Western. And now that set of values is being questioned by other people who have their own set of values. So it is uh, the West still living, you're absolutely right, in this bubble and desperately trying to hang on to this bubble. Um, rather than actually realizing how the world has shifted and how they are now being exposed, how the emperor has no clothes because they no longer have their geopolitical power base to fall back on. And the monster, as you rightfully put, that they created, not just with the UN, but other inter international institutions, is now actually becoming truly global, which means that a country like China with 1.4 billion people has significant influence in that organization. All of a sudden, they can no longer pretend or they they are under pressure to no longer pretend that they are the shiny light on the hill. And, and yet they desperately cling on to that notion because I cannot emphasize enough how people in the West grow up assuming, thinking, knowing, believing that they are the moral compass for the rest of the world. And I think it's very interesting um, and I want to kind of move our attention here to the actual results of the vote. Uh, so there were 47 uh, countries voting, 28 voted in favor, 7 abstained, and 12 voted against. The 12 that voted against um, are, are, well, I don't want to say usual suspects because you would expect it the other way around, but the 12 voting against were the likes of Belgium, Germany, Finland, France, the United States, the United uh, Kingdom. Uh, the abstentions, you know, you can kind of see the geopolitical world here. You have Benin, Chile, Georgia, Mexico, Nepal abstaining. But then the 28 countries that voted in favor of this are Algeria, Argentina, China, Cuba, Eritrea, Sudan, Ukraine, uh, Pakistan, Maldives, you know, the UAE, Vietnam. It's, a, it's, it's not one specific camp. Yes, there's a, there's a lot of uh, Muslim-majority countries on this list. But it's interesting that, you know, usually you would expect a country like India to not necessarily vote in favor of this because traditionally you, you would sort them into the Western camp. Or non-aligned, right? You would expect uh, India to say, hey, hey, we're not taking any position in this. And it's very telling that India is more aggressively putting themselves on that map nowadays and they are no longer following the non-alignment philosophy. Um Ukraine is interesting for a whole other reasons because it's it's just funny how the West you know somehow believes that Ukraine is part of their sphere of influence and it clearly isn't. Uh, Ukraine understands that the future lies with the rest of the world just as much as it lies with the West, rightfully so. Newsflash: there are more countries that are non-Western than there are countries that are Western. So in the long term, the West will start losing more and more votes until 
they start realizing that it's no longer a matter of us versus them, that it's no longer a matter of moral righteousness versus them, but that the world is a mixture of shades of gray when it comes to morality and values, and that the way to go about that is to truly engage. It is just, I I really have a big smile on my face when I, I hear these numbers that you give me, and, and it's just such a mirror image of 50 years Western imposition on the rest, and now the West is doing it to the West, and it's so funny to see. As I said at the beginning, in these episodes, we're looking a bit into, is the bubble bursting? Um, here we see that reality is catching up to the bubble, um, but would you say that this might lead to the realization within Western countries that maybe our interpretation of morality is not the global interpretation of morality, and we might need to change something? So is there, you know, is reality catching up to the bubble or is the bubble kind of moving away from reality in that sense? Well, I, I think that you see with the bubble that there that the West is increasingly into a bunker mentality, right? History is not going according to plan. And, and so what you see right now is the West desperately trying to cling on. And what you, in those last stages of delusion, which I think the West is in, uh, you are more than anything kind of blinded by reality, right? It's like you put your hands on your ears and you go, la, 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 I can't hear anything. That is kind of what the West is doing at the moment. But this can't last for much longer unless the West basically falls off a cliff. If the West wants to maintain its some influence, because the West is an important part of the world, and it has value. The West has absolute value. I mean, not moral value. I mean, like, value to offer the rest of the world. If they want to not fall off that cliff, if the West doesn't want to implode, they need to get out of their bunker, bunker, face reality, stop this bubble mentality, and think about, okay, how can we now deal with this new reality? How can we look at our own past delusions? How can we learn from our mistakes in the past? And how can we position ourselves in a way that is valuable to ourselves and to the rest of the world? And I say this as someone who likes the Swedish model. I hate people burning the Quran, and I really would like people not to do that. But I like a country where you are allowed to do that, because that means that you're allowed to do a lot of things. And it is the kind of society that I want to live in. Um, and as someone who likes a lot of those Western values, I don't want them to disappear from the world. I want them to still be something that the rest of the world can engage with and maybe learn from in a certain way, just like we can learn from many things from the rest of the world. In order to do that, they need to get out of their bunker mentality, get out of their, uh, you know, feeling that the world is turning against them and engage with them in a non-bubble type of way. This is it with today's summer episode, which we will continue throughout August. And in September, we'll start our third season. Please continue to send us requests for topics you'd like to, us to analyze until then. Um, we will also be grateful for your feedback to this format and questions that you can submit to thewesternbubble at gmail.com. Next Wednesday, we will talk about former German Foreign Minister Hans-Dietrich Genscher.